Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, I'm Paulo Ferreira, and you are listening to the London News Blue. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the London is Blue podcast, a podcast made for the fans, by the fans, celebrating the only team that matters. Come on, you blues. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast presented by World Soccer Shop. Head over to worldsoccershop.com for the best Chelsea gear around. We'll even tell you a little bit about what to get later. So to bring to to bring it back to another podcast, you know, it's myself, Brandon. We've got Dan and Nick on the line. And Dan, just to start this off, how exciting was it to test out the uh, the no offside rule? You know, that has been talked around in FIFA lately, starting with the <laughs> Arsenal match today. Uh, I figured Diego must have seen that and figured he could try it uh, in this match. And it uh, worked out better for uh, for the Crosstown rival than it did for us. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think Conte is a fan of that rule. So, <laughs> Imagine, Nick, if that result stood Burnley 1, Arsenal 1, and then Chelsea gets the three points today. Yeah, that would have been uh, pretty much the uh, the perfect weekend, but uh, we'll still take the uh, the eight point lead at the uh, top of the table. Yeah, we're maybe being greedy, asking for more, but eight feels so good, uh, guys. iTunes reviews, Dan, it's your week, and people just flooded you. Yeah, you know, uh, some some calls for the wonderfully uh, nasally voices that uh, we carry. <laughs> And a call to arms for some really fantastic reviews. You know, uh, shout out for Maestro, uh, Econ with uh, 3N, Double Zero, Jeff the Boss, uh, Kytikus, uh, KBix04 in the American iTunes Store. We had Tasty NL in the Canadian iTunes Store. And then uh, M. Belderson, SP Beal, our boy, getting a double shout out. Conte Noted and Verjaj CFC. All giving us a little uh, little love on iTunes, so we greatly appreciate it. And remember, uh, we will always shout you out on our podcast if you give us a little review. Hopefully, five stars. Uh, hopefully, you enjoy our voices. Uh, and they, you know, it, this really is a silent film. Uh, some people <laughs> might say, but uh, you know, we, we tend to speak pretty loudly with our words. Awesome. Well, before we get into this, let's go ahead and do our first offer of the pod. Coming at you guys, Nick. What do we have? 
So head over to World Soccer Shop right now. They have a big sale going on. There's a bunch of Chelsea stuff that's being discounted. We just want to call out one specific thing, though, uh, in, in promo break one, as we're looking at the script here, Brandon. Uh, and that is a sweet retro polo. So it kind of has the old Chelsea crest with the line between two stars uh, on kind of a nice blue and, and white striped polo. So, uh, Dan, you should uh, should get yourself one of these and, and maybe we can help. Yeah, there, there uh, sometimes is a belief that our club doesn't have a lot of history. Uh, you don't need to wear something from the 50s. Uh, it might be a little tattered, torn, holes in it, might smell a little bit. Buy something that's retro-themed. And then we also have some $10 coupon codes still uh, good through the end of the month. So it might be a way to take that uh, $15.99 retro stripe polo down to $5.99 plus shipping to him. All right, Chelsea fans, we'll go ahead Go to our website, londonisbluepodcast.com. It will be in the show notes from this podcast. You can click the link, get over there. Uh, also check our Twitter profile. Uh, we are going to tweet it out. It is it's pretty sexy looking. But guys, girls, you're all here for the match review. A renewed whole city who seemed to be enjoying a bump in form due to the new manager. It's crazy how consistent this actually happens it was a Premier League match at Stamford Bridge this past Sunday. Actually, only a couple hours passed since we started this recording. Definitely getting on our grind early today, gentlemen. So final score, the Blues 2, Tigers 0. Dan, lineup time as always. Uh, going into this one, there's only one question that everyone wanted answered. But go ahead and tease them by starting at the back. Although the real question was, was Nathan Aki going to get uh, his first start? And, Correct. Uh, it was... Uh, not, not to be, but he did make the uh, the substitute bench where uh, he had a chance to watch the game with Chalobo, William, uh, Sesk, Bachwayi, and Begovic, you know, all uh, side by side. But our lineup did bring back in Diego Costa. So Diego Costa comes back in, back injury, healed up, heads up there, reforms PhD with Hazard and Pedro. Then you drop back, you have Alonzo, Matic, Conte, Moses, drop back again, Cahill, Luis with no bandage on the leg, so finally recovered from the Aguero tackle fully. Aspilicueta and then Courtois between the sticks, who got a little bit more work today than maybe he was uh, planning for versus Hull City. Definitely the most shots we've given up in a while, especially on target, but, you know, he was ready to go. It was great to see. You know, Nick, we'll get into a lot of the lineup stuff later, so let's just run through the goals. Obviously, 45th minute plus seven additional minutes of stoppage time. Diego Costa, back in the lineup, makes his mark on an otherwise pretty much eventful, uneventful first half. Uh, it was a great take because I doubt even he thought that ball would make it all the way to him since it passed by about five different hole players first. Right, yeah, it was a, uh, a pretty sweet move from, from flank to flank. Alonzo, nice uh, long ball over to Victor Moses, who I thought had a, a much improved day overall. Uh, drove at the defenders, uh, put in a nice little skidded cross, um, and Diego Costa right there, right time, just kind of uh, didn't didn't put too much on it, didn't want to sky it like a previous effort that we all kind of made fun of, but just kind of placed it on onto uh, onto his right foot and kind of deflected off the goalkeeper for the first goal. It was a uh, it was a good moment. The first half was tough, and you know I think we can all say that Hull played uh, a pretty a uh, well-rounded game uh, coming to Stanford Bridge today. According to Opta, it's actually the latest first-half goal uh, since they've started tracking since 2006 in the Premier League. 52nd minute. I'm not surprised by that, let alone you know maybe <laughs> one, two minutes normal, and now we had seven. So obviously to talk about that, you know, hopefully Mason is, is doing all right from what it sounds yeah. like for the accounts. But, man, also thankfully lucky that Cahill was able to get back up and continue playing. Um, but let's not open the concussion debate again, shall we? 81st minute. Speaking of the man, Calamity Captain Cahill finds an amazing amount of space at the back post and found it pretty hard to miss from so close. Uh, he sealed the deal 2-0, Dan. And, you know, I only use the Calamity Captain Cahill as a joke because while he may be the weakest link in that back line, it's definitely not a weak link. Yeah, there, there was a lot of uh, crossing into the box today. Alonzo had, had made a ton of efforts, and you know, this was one from Fabregas off a, a free kick opportunity. And th th there's a lot of short players on the field for Chelsea right now. Not a lot of people pushing the plus six foot mark. And you know, Cahill was right spot, got enough air behind him, and, and really just 
put it way, way past uh, Djokovic. And really, you know, the photo afterwards was really the goalkeeper having his hand out, looking at the ball as it sails by him. So really nice opportunity. And, and I think really settled the nerves of the fans. Stanford Bridge got a little quiet in between uh, the start of the second half and that goal, but really uh, kind of resumed full force after that. And uh, it was nice to see. Nick was, I mean, from, from that, you know, it was good to see that Chelsea were maybe a little lacking in crosses uh, before Fabregas came on. You know, he has a very specific skill set, like we said, and you know what? He used it today so effectively. Yeah. Not to bag on Pedro too much here today, but uh, holy hell, um, we really struggled from corners and, and set pieces until Sess came in. So I think uh, a lot of credit goes to him for, you know, just doing, something that very few people in the Premier League can do, and that is consistently and accurately put a ball to the far post and see what happens. I mean, it this this goal was almost a carbon copy of the Zuma goal against Arsenal last year. If you kind of reflect back to that game at Stanford Bridge, just almost impossible to miss. Um, but, you know, good for Cahill. I know it was a rough game as a professional to go into a, uh, you know, I think the announcers actually were really fair to him on this, but to go into a, a challenge and, and have your counterpart on the other side not get a play the rest of the match is probably uh, mentally a little stinging. So I'm glad that he was able to come back and really seal it off. No, it was good. Very good performance. Uh, you know, I don't, we talked about this. It, was, it wasn't that long ago that Chelsea hadn't scored a headed goal at all in the Premier League. Thankfully, continuing just add some some different pieces to the toolbox. So, question one: Diego Costa was back in the lineup today. Dan, were you surprised Conte was so quick to reinstate him after allegedly dropping him last week? The back injury versus the dispute in the China and everything. Um, you know, he was dropped for Leicester a week later. He's healthy and back in the lineup. No, I, I think that with the caliber player Diego Costa is and the amount of goals that he's both scored and assisted, uh, you know, technically tied for overall goal scorer in the Premier League, number one if you remove penalties. And he really is, you know, just again, a force of nature. And he, he's someone who needs to continue playing to keep up a high level of fitness and consistency. I think resting him against Hull, who were going to sit back, would have been a bad decision. I think what we saw versus Leicester, Leicester were a very kind of under set team last week and Hull definitely were more organized, more condensed, definitely well disciplined and Costa up there to, you know, really kind of take on uh, McGuire who I think probably had the best game of any player on the pitch. You know, not often is someone kind of marshalling around a couple of our attacking players, but he did, I think a fantastic job with that. Uh, you, you need, Diego's caliber out there as often as you can to just lock down this title, especially after watching every one of our title rivals um, drop points or draw this weekend. Yeah, I would quickly add there. I think the there there are cases where being the last team to play on a weekend can kind of mount the pressure on you. So, you know, let's hypothetically say that Tottenham would have won, or you know, Arsenal did win, but you know, whatever. That was kind of a a cheap a cheap win for them uh, uh it's you, also a uh, title rivals yeah right good point um so they don't really count there that's good uh they'll descend back to fourth uh relatively quickly but you look at this and it can be kind of pressure packed to be the last team to play knowing all the other results i think the thing that i looked for in this game uh was one uh are we playing together as a team did the team have the same spirit that they had last week and that was clear i think the whole team going over to diego helping him celebrate with whatever chicken dance uh mouth moving technique that he was doing with his hands was was good and then you know it's obviously cahill getting the second one you know the whole team kind of realizing where he was at in the game and going over to him too i think that that was the thing you look for not you know whether diego was kind of doing his own thing today they all are still a team. They play with the same mentality. It was a lot harder than we thought today, Brandon. It was, you know, whole vastly improved since the last time we played him. Uh, but we still got the result. Very true. You know, Diego Costa today, he still managed to have more shots on goal uh, than anyone else. He did have six total shots. Um, 
three on target, one off, and two blocked. The next person was Harry Maguire with four shots, and everyone else is one. So he's very active, very productive. He was definitely going to get back on the, on the score sheet. Every time he got it, he was definitely looking for opportunities. Speaking about that goal celebration, Nick, I was listening to Nisar Kinsella's post-match live Facebook. He always does a Facebook live right after the match. Uh, Goal.com journalist, awesome, former guest. And after the match, he said that Costa's celebration was pretty obviously aimed at the press who put out all of those stories about him leaving. He, you know, Nisar seems to think that Diego Costa is very much committed to Chelsea for the rest of the season. Obviously, I don't think we can talk about too much beyond that right now with the other things that have been, you know, refusing a contract extension, things like that. But honestly, what's not? You know, if he ends the season with a Premier League medal, that's two and three seasons, which is phenomenal. He could very well win the golden boot and potentially be like player of the season. I think that as much as he maybe doesn't like living in London, uh, that always helps when you're winning things. So we'll have to see. Um, but it was it was a very lively performance from him. And, uh, you know, honestly, if if you just were in a coma last week or on vacation and had no idea it happened, I don't think you would have noticed this week that there was this huge bust up and he was dropped for potentially attitude issues, which I think is really good to see. I, I mean, if there's not an issue, there's not an issue. You know, far be it for me to tell Antonio Conte what to do with his team. You know, I, I think the only thing that you worried about last week was how the team would accept him back if indeed some of those rumors were true. And clearly that wasn't an issue either. So... Uh, you know, he's the best player on our team right now. He has the most lethal right foot in, in the Premier League. And if he is healthy and he's willing to go out and do the job, Dan, why would you why would you select him anywhere else or why would you put him on the bench? Yeah, you saw comments uh, pre-match from Courtois talking about, you know, really how it was it was a nonsense story. And, and you know, obviously he's very direct at times and mentioned how you know, these, these kind of stories can just get out of hand. And I don't understand where this fight and incident occurred from. And you see Cahill after the match talking about, you know, how excited you know they are to have Costa out there. You know, this this is a family of, of players. These are brothers who are going out there to do a job and, and they're professionals and God damn it. It was so cool to watch him do the Arrested Development chicken dance uh, down the sideline <laughs> after the goal. Well, and look, I, I think, you know, we have to be fair to our journalist friends here, too. You know, the the thing that, you know, we've had a bunch of them on this year. And if all of them are saying the same thing, you know, far be it from us to not believe that side of the story either. Uh, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. He's playing with us to the end of the year. I think Roman... Uh, you know, might have stepped in and said, nah, we're going to keep you. And if that's the case, that's the case. Like, there's nothing more to talk about on this and and on to the weekend. For sure. I mean, there was definitely no argument from anyone last week about the reports. It was just a matter of uh, how deep and wide, you know, this discontent went. And thankfully, it looked like it wasn't too much of an issue. So question number two, we've got Chelsea only had 53% possession today. I'm sure there's plenty of teams out there that would love to only have 53%. Normally, our back three spend a little more time closer to half field if we look at their heat maps. But today, those guys were firmly planted at the top of our box. Did it feel like we spent a lot more time defending against whole city today than we normally do, Nick? It did. Um, and I think uh, maybe today's battle was not as much Diego against their back line as it was midfield against midfield. Uh, I think, you know, especially times in the first half and especially from the 55th minute to the 75th minute in the second half, our midfield was sloppy. Uh, There's a lot of misplaced passes, a lot of balls that should have found targets, simple passes that didn't. Uh, and then there were some cheekier back heels that, you know, I think this year go off without a hitch that, you know, just didn't, um, you know, I have to, again, I have to credit whole because they played with an energy and a, um, a mentality that is rare when a, a team of their standing comes to the Stanford bridge. Uh, but yeah, it felt like we did do some defending there in the second half, which is a little odd considering, um, you know, usually when we play a team of this standing, we, we take it to them, uh, you know, teams that are of a higher quality away, we can some, sometimes sit back and hit on the counter, but, uh, Dan, what are your thoughts on this? 
you know, I think what we saw in the midfield was that the, the passing lanes were nowhere near as open as what we would like normally. You know, they had lined up initially, you know, really closer to kind of a three-five-two formation, really dense midfield, made it difficult for both Matic and Conte to kind of find space to kind of get the ball outside. So a lot of crosses kind of lobbing in because we were not able to, you know, really kind of attack into the box on the ground. Uh, we kind of needed more of an aerial assault, and it really was just so compact. Then you look at the second half, a couple substitutions, and they start getting a little bit more free flow with their play forward. And you know, I think it was definitely a credit to Hull who came to play and came to, especially in the second half, go after a win and not a, a draw or not going after just holding it down to, to a nil-nil or a 1-1. They, they wanted to, to win, and, and credit to them. I think they had a really great game plan going in, and you know, I think the luck you know, for a couple of these goals just really fell our way today. I definitely had some luck go our way. No penalty call again, thankfully. Um, normally, Chelsea have 60-63% possession when we're playing teams in the bottom half of the table. Obviously, this was a massive, massive grind compared to what we probably went in expecting it would be. But, Nick, I think a lot of it goes back to normally Chelsea are the first game of the weekend, right? You know, we're waking up at 5, 6, 7 o'clock in the morning over here in the United States. And Chelsea, go do the business. And then we can sit back and watch the rest of the teams uh, do, you know, take care of their business or drop points. I think that is true. Knowing that, you know, Tottenham and City drew, Liverpool lost, probably didn't know about the Arsenal result, but expected them to win against Burnley. You know, I think that plays on it because everyone's talking about it's such a big advantage getting up to eight points. And I think that that was uh, probably something that influenced this match quite a bit. Again, it shows good spirit that Chelsea were still able to get the result, even though we were grinding. Courtois, uh, I think he stepped up, you know, like a lot of people said, and and had a good match. He was rated below an eight, but I'm not going to get into that too much, uh, just because the fact of the matter was he, you know, had four saves, which is quite a bit for him, right? Like, let's be honest. Usually it's one save towards the end of the match, and that's it. So, um all around, I mean, solid stuff defensively, took care of the business. Question three, though. Nick, what did you make of Conte's substitutions today? Hazard came off in the 71st minute for Fabregas, along with William coming on for Pedro. We'll start with those two, I guess, since you know they were the early substitutions, according to Conte's history. Yeah, uh, I think they were needed, honestly. You know, I think that the constant battle you have in your mind if you're Antonio Conte is, you know, assuming Costa's healthy and Hazard's healthy, do you play Pedro or William in a match? And I think largely that's due to matchups and perceived skill sets against different center backs. And, you know, you can go on and on with the with the whole matchup thing. But uh, Hazard was a little nonchalant, I think, expecting Hull to kind of crumble whenever he got the ball. And, and frankly, there are a couple of fouls that he just didn't get. And I think when that happens, you've seen him kind of mentally check out of some games. I think today was one of those games. He didn't have it. And certainly judging by our Twitter timeline, it was not a, a positive review of his day. Um, you know, that, that, that happens. He's not going to be on it every time, but he's been um, a little absent in the last few matches. I think that's a little worrisome. And then, Pedro just, you know, he runs his little heart out, but he didn't have it today either. Um, and, you know, I, I don't really know if we got a good enough look at William in this game to say that he would have been any better. But, uh, you know, I think they were warranted at that point in the game. You know, like I said earlier, it was like kind of the early part of the second half. We were struggling to, to keep possession and Hazard and, and Pedro were not uh, aiding us in that regard. Well, Dan, besides the late sub of Michon for Costa, hashtag minutes for Michi, uh, Fabregas and William, I thought they were pretty impactful, at least in the moment it was most needed, right? William drew the foul, if it was a foul, uh, which was able to, to set up Fabregas to, you know, just tee up that sweet, sweet assist for Cahill. It, you know, in hindsight, they ended up being very impactful and essentially sealed the game because... I was very nervous that Hull were, were going to get one back. Yeah, I think uh, you look at the match against Swansea and you know Conte, I think, got a lot of flack for the subs and the timing of them. And 
I think this has been a, a constant point and maybe some uh, frustration or consternation amongst fans. And, you know, I think if he set up a franchise of sub shops today, uh, people would be very happy to line up for him because these all just worked out perfectly. Yeah, I think uh, the Fabregas one really, really unlocked, you know, the, the match. You know, I think he was able to pinpoint a lot of passes, started connecting up with, with Costa extremely well. You know, William, I think, you know, turned the ball over like three or four times with his first few minutes on the pitch, um, you know, foul one player. So I, I, it would have been nice to see him kind of have a more kind of complete uh, appearance on the pitch, you know, but I, I think ultimately – to have the depth where you can go to someone and say, hey, option A isn't working, let's go to option B, and to be able to interchange players who, who do have some different skill sets. You know, I think William has some some direct runs that I think are a little bit nicer than what Pedro can offer at times. And, you know, that type of challenge, moving the ball forward, I think gave us a lot of additional width to the pitch that we didn't have earlier in the game where Pedro, I think, was caught up in a couple of the lanes and, and really just him and Hazard could not get out of. Uh, which was, again, a credit to the defense from Hall, who were very stout and resolute and stuck to a, a pretty specific game plan. Yeah, it was it, Yeah, it was, it was. was good to see. Obviously, anytime you can throw in some substitutions, Nick, and, and see a direct impact in the positive sense for that, you know, I think that's good. Changed the formation. You know, he did as well. Um, went to three in the middle rather than, um, you know, just having those two kind of, I mean, Farias was almost playing a 10 position pretty far up. So I'd say maybe change the shape a little bit, but, you know, still definitely uh, good to see a positive impact uh, for those, for those two guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I, I, you know, I think Fabregas was the most called out for substitution uh, after the first half. Um, people really got on, on Matic for not, uh, you know, being dynamic. And I, I tried to call that out in a tweet because, you know, obviously those are two different players with two completely different skill sets. Uh, I think Matic played pretty well in this game, to be honest. Uh, you know, he uh, was part of that outmanned midfield that had to cover a lot of space, but uh, he rides tackles like no one on this team does. He, he's pretty incredible at that and keeping the ball. So, uh, you know, Dan, I don't know how you feel about the whole Fabregas Matic kind of would will he, won't he kind of sub out every other week kind of deal. But, you know, I thought the it was the right pick for today. I, I thought Maddich, you know, walked some of the challenges like it was a tightrope. He, you know, stayed up on a couple of, of low tackles where they were going after the ball or really going after his feet. And, you know, I think did it with some some class and grace. It was able to kind of cut across direct uh, diagonally to kind of, again, widen the pitch, which is what you want to do when people are kind of condensing back and, and stacking five, six, seven, you know, defenders kind of near the box. You know, he helps to kind of open up some of those opportunities, uh, just like Fabregas offered kind of that, that length to the game, which, you know, through his passing and through kind of the accuracy, which that was really what we were missing previously. You know, Hazard was a little off kind of with some of his passes, same with Pedro, um, you know, Costa was on the wings a little bit, you know, which again, we, we never like him as a winger. We love him as a, you know, central striker. But you know, again, I think it's, it's always going to be about matchups. And, and that's the challenge is that in this matchup, you know, you didn't know that we were going to need maybe Fabregas really until you kind of saw what the game plan was going to be for Hall. And that even shifted in the second half. So again, I think perfect substitutions today helped unlock the victory, helped got us, you know, three points toward the top of the table and, you know, we were lucky that we have the ability to rotate some class players in some very key positions. I think that's a really good shout, just saying it's easier to start compact and defensive, see how the game goes, and then we can open up and grow into it later rather than starting open, you know, maybe run around a little bit more than we want to and then trying to chase it late on in the match. So interesting. Uh, let us know what you guys think on Twitter. As always, email. Um, we're happy to hear from you guys and see what you think. Uh, next up, true or false, this is only a minor dip in form for Hazard, and he'll be back to peak performance sooner than later. Nick, let's go ahead and start with you. Obviously, you kind of gave a shout-out to Hazard earlier uh, that he was maybe a little dip in form. But do you think it's a blip or it's maybe something longer? hope it's a blip. Uh, we need him. Uh, we need him bad. And, I, you know, I think he seems to me – to be a kind of player who plays up or down to the level of competition. You know, I, I think maybe it's just kind of like a mentality that he has, but 
the better the defender, I think the harder he plays. Um, you know, the worse the perceived defender, the, you know, the more lackadaisical he can get. I hope, I really, really hope that he gets kind of turned around a little bit. I, I don't anticipate it being a longer drought because I don't think Antonio Conte lets any of these guys slack off in training. So he'll probably hear about it. You know, I think this is one of the first times he's been subbed off this year too. So at least that early in the game. So I think there was maybe something to that. But uh, yeah, I just, I think it's going to be a little blip and then he'll be back. He did take a bit of a heavy tackle, Dan, in the second half. Uh, but same thing goes to you, true or false, as far as a little dip in form. Yeah, so you know, kind of look at like the the amount of time they've played. You know, over twenty two, uh, you know, appearances. You're looking at you know, close to you know whatever nineteen hundred minutes, and he's played like right around eighteen hundred something of those minutes. So you know, he's he's been on the pitch for ninety three, ninety four percent of the available minutes. So he's, he hasn't been subbed off often. And it you know, hasn't maybe gotten the same, you know, either rest or rotation as a couple other players. And, and we've seen in the past that over stretches of time, you know, that again, I think Nick made a great call out earlier is that when he's not maybe getting a call, maybe he's getting bossed around a little bit and he doesn't feel like he's maybe having the, the freedom to roam that he can get a little bit insular in, in thought and in action. And I think we saw a little bit of that today. I would imagine heading into some pretty big games that, you know, even the best uh, player that maybe had one off game is going to rebound back again. And uh, I think, you know, we'll probably see him rested uh, for Brentford and we'll see him back for uh, some busy matches uh, against Liverpool. All right. I mean, that'd be interesting. You know, I think that we'll have plenty to talk about that lineup in Brentford as we get into uh, to part three, the script, but you know, real quick to wrap this up, I guess for me, I think it's true. Like you said, he's going to get a little bit of rest, maybe do some self-reflection and come out, you know, ready to really hit the the back stretch of this Premier League season. Um, thankfully, he's still ranked number one in the Premier League by Squawka uh, for a performance score. It's kind of surprising as you look at these different ones. He has a very high attack score. He actually has a really high possession score uh, in his defense Jose, you'd be surprised to see how high it is this season. But let's go ahead and uh, wrap this up uh, with any other thoughts, anything that we may have missed you want to touch on. Dan, let us start with you. Yeah, I think the only thing is just uh, you know positive thoughts for Ryan Mason. That was a pretty nasty challenge. When you go up against the uh, adamantium skull of Gary Cahill, you know, you're <laughs> uh, potentially going to come down with a nasty knock and you know, anytime a player has to be carted off, you're kind of worrying the worst. And, you know, there was no kind of post-match update as to what his status was. But, you know, some some things are bigger than sport and, and you know, winning a game. And just hopefully he's A-OK. Yeah, Petr Cech actually had a bit of a, a head scare injury today, but he continued to play, thankfully. Nick. Yeah, just, oh. just his shoulder, thankfully. Oh, true. Nick, what about you? Anything else that we want to touch on? Um, yeah, I don't think so. You know, just kind of turning towards the man of the match poll, which I do very hesitantly every week now for being wrong. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So we asked, uh, 196 people voted, uh, 66% to Diego, 17% for Moses, who I think had a very much improved game again. Uh, Louise and Cahill eight, and 9% respectively. Uh, the thing I missed this week, Brandon was, Thibaut Courtois, you know, yep. it's a, it's a big jump for him, right? Going from one to four saves in a match. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So I missed that. So uh, the streak of, of getting it wrong extends to infinity with this. So no keep worries. It up, folks. Um, maybe next week we'll just put one player if we can, and then you can't be wrong. <laughs> there we go. All right. Well, as it stands, Chelsea fans still at the top of the table in that number one spot on 55 points. Arsenal making a massive, uncomfortable jump to second place on 47 points. Tottenham, after their draw with City, are on 46. Liverpool, thankfully their loss didn't completely derail their season to Swansea. Again, manager bump, just getting a, getting a big lift from that. Uh, they're on 45 points. And then the next two teams from Manchester still knocking on five and six are City on 43 points and United on 41. Um just real quick on United, just just barely got the win. And it, the Rooney's 
record-breaking goal was an absolute rocket. Yeah, it was uh, worthy of praise. And uh, nice credit to uh, Clement and Makaleli for a uh, fantastic uh, win against uh, Liverpool. Yeah, I would say that United of kind of those six right now look to be the team on most form. I mean, luckily they're, uh, what, still 14 points back of us, but I think they were going to be hitting their stride in the second half of the season now. Yeah, I mean, for them, it's all about top four. Same with City. Uh, you know, the ones that are really pushing, it's, you know, Arsenal, Tottenham, Liverpool, or what you would kind of consider that title chase. But, you know, with some of these crazy results, and this was another one for Chelsea, you know, Leicester, Hull, are they ever going to drop points against the, you know, the the smaller teams? Thankfully, we just keep showing nope. up, doing the business, doing the job. So that is a wrap for part one. Uh, that is your comprehensive Whole City Review, Chelsea fans. Let's go ahead and tell you about how we can help you get the number one item on every Chelsea fans list a bit cheaper. What do we have, Dan? Well, you know, home kits are always a great thing to have, especially since uh, you got to pour one out this season. Last Adidas kit heading into our Nike deal, and home kits this week, this current time frame with WorldSoccerShop.com, fifteen dollars off, so seventy four ninety nine. Nick, is there a player that you're going to get uh, a home kit for? Anyone ca- catching your eye right now? I- I'm wearing one right now from World Soccer Shop, but if I were to get this one over, I think I might go with with Nate Dog. I think he would be kind of mm. my surprise pick. Uh, that or, or Victor Moses, I think, are are kind of the two that I, I love to watch. And Golo Conte in there as well. So, uh, Dan, what about yourself? You could just get all three names. You could get Conte, Chaloba. I can just sew them together. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Is there one that you're looking at, Dan? Uh, you know, uh, I, I think that uh, you know the Marcus Alonso one's looking pretty fantastic after uh, his current run of form, and definitely would be one to keep your eye out for. But again, ten dollars coupon codes good to the end of the month, so we'd like to hand those out, get you even uh, a few more dollars off that uh, sweet sweet deal on WorldSoccerShop.com. Awesome, you know. There's a bit of a legend at the bridge in case anyone wanted to do a throwback, put a Drogba on a New Jersey. Ooh. But you know what? Ooh. Chelsea Ooh. fans, that is up to you. The options are unlimited. Go ahead, check it out. But most importantly, we have to get to your social media questions. You guys are the best at this, honestly. Kicking us off at MF Partridge, he asks all of us. He tagged all of us to make sure that this did not get missed. We saw it. We got it. <laughs> <laughs> Who is your most improved player so far this season? Um, Dan, let's go ahead and kick it off with you. Uh, I think it has, to, it has to be Pedro still. I think he is just, you know, someone that I think all of us thought would be leaving or be, you know, maligned to a, a potentially a bench role heading into the start of the season. And, you know, someone that you, you can pretty reliably count on for the most part being part of the starting 11 um, right now. You know, has been involved with multiple goals as well as assists. Uh, clearly uh, key to the the attack uh, most days. This day kind of an off one. But, you know, he's also scored some uh, December club goal of the month, uh, November, you know, Premier League goal of the month. You know, th- this is a guy who clearly is, you know, in his uh, Barcelona form, as uh, said by a couple of his uh, teammates and, and manager. And, uh, you know, I think there were also a couple of great articles by uh, Nizar and a couple of our friends who talked about the return to form. So I think it has to be Pedro. It's a good shout. I mean, a lot of us were ready for him to uh, set sail this last summer. Uh, Nick, what about you? Um, you know, Pedro's a good shout. I, I'm thinking I'm going to go with Victor Moses, a guy that, you know, I don't think anybody really saw coming this year. And uh, considering he hadn't been a part of the the squad since 2012, 13, um, you know, I have to give him a lot of credit. He's, he's adapted to a different role. And for the most part, I think he's done a really good job. You know, he's had a, a bit of a dip in form as of late, but I think he's going to get on the other side of that and, and come up roses to the end of the year. So I think I'm going to go Victor. A couple weeks ago, or maybe even a, a month or so ago, Modic was a good shout. I mean, we thought that guy was a shadow of himself. The other one is obviously Eden Hazard because we saw him play to the player of the season levels two years ago and then last year. I know he had some injuries and stuff, but it didn't look like he was really committed. Uh, I, I think that the funny there, the thing that opens up is just how many options there are. 
because of how bad last season went. <laughs> you know, you go from champions to like not relegation, but like close enough that you're like, man, I don't even, I don't even want to think about it, you know? And so to be back at this season, uh, you know, so high, um, you know, I give, I give technically the manager shout like that may stir the pot a little bit, but what Conte has done with this squad without really adding too many different names to it and where we're at. Um, I, it's not a necessary player, but I'm going to, I'm going to do position um, at, let's see at what a Conte be careful saying that one. Oh, wow. Uh, I don't like the Conte and Modic midfield who agrees. So I guess a nice little yes, no question, Nick. I do not agree. I think this midfield is, again, we, we kind of referenced this earlier in, in part one, but I think this midfield's really tough to play against when they're both on their game. Um, you, you look at the kind of ever-running Energizer Bunny that's uh, Ingolo Conte, you know, with kind of the smooth, you know, big, bulky, uh, you know, never-say-die Nemanja Matic, you know, and I, I know, again, I'm, I'm a reference this earlier, I know he's not Cesc Fabregas in passing, but he has assists this year too. So, you know, as long as it's working, put him in there. Dan, agree, disagree? Yeah, I'm a fan of it. I think it also, though, as you watch some of the highlights uh, coming from Roma and uh, Nigelon getting some some seriously wonderful goals, I think you kind of start to salivate at this idea of like, what if you put Conte and Nigelon next to each other? Because there, there's just a little bit of attacking opportunity, I think, with Matic still. Uh, and, and that would be, uh, be quite the midfield duo. I kind of go back to what we said earlier. I like it to start and get a feel for the match and see how it goes. I definitely think that, yes, today against Hull, if Conte wanted to gamble and play Fabregas from the start, probably would have been all right. But there's other games, you know, Tottenham City, Liverpool, Liverpool coming up, where I don't think we should start Fabregas. I just think that we need that steel and grit in the midfield, that size and that physical presence to break up the play. And then, especially when our front three have for the most part, been clicking as well as they have, just get it to them and let them go, you know, break on the counterattack. Um, obviously, today was a little bit different. Anytime we play the relegation teams or even the bottom half of the Premier League, you're going to need a little bit more creativity. But, you know, so far, so good. I uh, don't really want to rock the boat. But I, I'm sure there's plenty of other people out there that agree with you. Uh, next one from Lukonde on Facebook says, how vital is Diego uh, to Chelsea, especially that Hazard looks out of form? Dan, I mean, you got to have someone to, uh, to kind of carry the team on their back in, you know, obviously a little bump last week, but it seems like Diego has really been the man to step up week in, week out this season. Yeah, involved with uh, most goals, uh, anyone in the side, uh, most goals scored. And then also when you add kind of his assist to uh, – I think without question, you know, Chelsea would be, you know, vying for, for, and kind of in contention for top four without Diego's goals, you take him out and, you know, where we would be in the table is, is, you know, kind of anyone's guess. So I, I think absolutely hundred percent, you know, he, he's our most critical player at the moment, which I think at the beginning of the season, I think we all would have said, you know, Hazard was probably the most critical to return to form with some of the things that he does. And, uh, Diego is clearly the most important player to executing the game plan, uh, even though we beat, I think, again, a, a little bit of an impoverished Leicester side last week. This match just showed how important Diego is to what Conte is trying to accomplish. Excuse me. All right. Well, you know, it, it's been pretty obvious. I think, you know, we can all agree, you know, that Costa is that key player, Nick? And that's why I think we were all so rattled and scared with the potential of him just like saying, no, I'm not going to play anymore. I'm done. Yeah, there just aren't many center forwards that do what he does, uh, you know, and certainly not at this point of the year to go purchase one. I mean, they, they exist. They're just very pricey for a reason. Um, you know, I... I don't. I don't really know what Hazard's second half of the season is going to look like. I have a feeling that it's going to be, you know, pretty good at the end of the year. Uh, but Diego occupies players in a way that Hazard doesn't, and I think that, you know, they're they're obviously two different kinds of players. But 
Uh, Diego is the most vital piece to what we have going. And if we miss him and his arts out of form, then I think you see points dropped. Next one up from at just Badu. It says sign up Harry Maguire. Just coming right at you. Totally reactionary. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense because I don't know, Nick, do, does it make sense? This is how we used to buy players. They'd play really well against us, and then we'd go purchase them uh, in the next transfer window. What's up, Mo Sala? How are you doing? Um, he's, so, he's actually doing pretty well for Roma. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that all worked out. But, uh, you know, I'll tell you, man, it was an eye-opening performance for a guy who I don't think many of us had ever heard of before. Uh, he looked – first of all, he's huge, and he's strong, and he has a decent shot on him. Uh, you know, so there's – some positives there and he's young. So, you know, I, I don't think holes looking to sell anybody on their team, but, uh, but he could be one for the future for England. Oh, I mean, you look at the fact that their bench kind of existed in, in their away support too. They literally would have had to pull, you know, a player out of the stands if they had gotten one or two more injuries. Um, yeah. They're probably not going to consider selling him right now. Um, you know, or even kind of heading in the next window again, like if they stay up, they need talented players, uh, you know, not, you know, especially with the, the Premier League money, uh, you know, most clubs don't need to sell. And I think also center back is starting to become a position where we have a little abundance of, of, of wealth, especially if Christensen's coming back next year, Ake slotting back in, uh, you know, I think, again, you look at areas needing reinforcement, midfield would probably be a primary one. To, and then kind of, you know, striker backfill, depending upon, uh, you know, Mitchie's standing and status at the end of the season. That's kind of a good tangent. I mean, are you guys surprised that we haven't seen Chelsea really do anything or be linked to anything? Obviously, the Fernando Llorente was probably the biggest one. But, you know, we're into the home stretch. What do you guys think uh, as far as, you know, I guess Chelsea's lack of activity for the most part, uh, whether it's in or out? Patrick Bamford? was just sold uh, to Middlesbrough. So we might be seeing him in the second half of this season. But I guess general opinion, Dan, on what you think. Do we need something? Do we not? And then do you think Chelsea's actually going to pull the trigger something this late in the window? I think that every name that you hear, like uh, it was uh, Adama uh, Traore was the one being banded about. Again, Burrow doesn't need to be selling players right now. Um, you know, They are also trying to make sure that they stay up and get the next year and you know, get the, you know, Premier League money because it's way more than the money that you get playing in the championship. Um, I, I, I honestly think that we might end the window and have signed no one. But but we're also winning. So I don't I don't necessarily know if I'm so caught up on this idea that we have to have to sign someone. It, it really is about getting the best out of the existing team that we have and then go into summer. And, you know, if there's one or two, you know, top level players that we want to sign, whether it's a, you know, a Nangolan, whether it's a Griezmann, whomever it is, like use the money to get the players that we need, not to get players that are a fit for, for you know, a, a set of games, you know, you know, 16, 17, you know, depending on, you know, FA cup, you know, 20 more games that we might have to play. Like that doesn't make any sense for long-term. And I think that Chelsea can afford with Conte right now and the success we've had to think very long-term about the signings as we go into the window or at the end of the window. Nick, yeah. as I say real quick to you up, it's kind of a sign that we didn't have any questions about transfer targets, transfer rumors, people asking us, where do Chelsea need to reinforce? And maybe I think the dust has kind of settled and people are comfortable with where we're at. Yeah. I, I think this January window thing, you know, is, as fun as it is for, for teams that are really in need of players for injury or whatever, uh, there's just not a ton of movement here. I think the biggest move that's been had in the Premier League is probably Schneiderland going to Everton, I think. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, but, you know, he wasn't playing at United anyway. That's, you know, he's a talented midfielder, but just not fitting their system. So that's the kind of deals that you're seeing right now with an eight point lead. You know, I, I just don't, you know, if, if it was three points or there was a, you know, a huge injury in this next week, which obviously knock on wood, we don't want. Uh, and I just don't, I don't see it. You know, Adama Traore might have a really bright future, Dan, but I, you know, I just can't, I can't see Middlesbrough selling first of all. And I, I can't see him really challenging Victor Moses on the right. If, if indeed that's his position of choice. 
That's almost one of those things where it would be a buy and, and basically an instantly loan him back to him for the remainder of the season. And, and, and look, we've, we've done things like that before. Like it's not out of the question to think we could buy him, loan him back immediately for the remainder of the season, and then see if he's a fit potentially after uh, you know a postseason uh, preseason tour where maybe he slots in but you also look at the fact you know uh, Kennedy has returned and, and not officially but looks like probably goes on alone um, Musanda is back and trading and has had some pretty positive uh, comments on social media about the club and, and being where he needs to be so I mean th- there's also players that might get an opportunity depending upon advancement in the FA Cup and then also if we can lock the title down early, there's going to be a lot of minutes to be had against some really good competition against the end of the season to help Conte get some real evaluation time for some key players. And again, I, I think January goes by. And if we sign someone at this point, I'm, I'm going to be shocked. I think that as it stands, worst case scenario is top four. And I think that we feel pretty good that even if we pick up some bumps or a couple you know, minor injuries here and there, Chelsea can still get top four. Uh, The title is nice and it's important, but the biggest thing is securing that European spot in the Champions League. Don't let the Manchester clubs convince you that any European spot is a valuable one. (laughs) All right, guys, let's go ahead and roll into part three, our match preview, as we're going to be heading to a familiar foe, Brentford, a championship side. And by heading to, I mean, it will be at Sanford Bridge for the FA Cup fourth round match. It's going to be this coming Saturday, January 28th. As we head into this, guys, Chelsea have scored at least two goals in six of their last seven matches in the FA Cup. That's pretty much what we've been doing in the Premier League. Uh, The biggest difference is that our lineup, I was really surprised at how much Conte changed the lineup uh, the last time out against Peterborough. What do you guys think are going to be the, the lineup heading into this? We talked about getting some guys some rest. You know, last time we saw JT, I uh, don't remember how that ended. But, you know, Dan, I'm assuming there will be plenty of rotation uh, with Liverpool coming right up after that on the following Tuesday. Yeah, you know, I think about last time we saw nine changes. And the general point rule is that people weren't expecting that many to occur. With this one, I I would imagine you see uh, Fabregas start. I think that you'll see Aki get his first minutes uh, from a starting position. You know, the fact that he made the bench today over Ivanovic. So this is the first time in a significantly long time. I went back through like the past three seasons on PremierLeague.com to find a time when Terry and Ivanovic weren't on a starting or substitution list, and I couldn't find it. Um, So I'm going to keep on digging. But like that is clear. Conte has a belief that he, you know, Ake, Nathan Aki understands his philosophy and his system. Uh, so those, I think, were the two things that you probably would see the most. Um, you know, Nick, do you think that uh, Masanda maybe gets an opportunity, maybe not as a starter, but as a sub? Sub, yeah, I think Masanda will get will get some time. Um, <clears throat> I think Ake is the one I'm kind of looking for because, you know, if you, if you don't play him against Brentford, I think you know that's kind of a, a warning sign. Um, and again, it, you know, Alonzo, if, if he has this injury, this phantom injury that, you know, people talk about, but that we don't see, uh, then this would be a really good weekend to give him some rest ahead of Liverpool uh, next Tuesday. So, uh, you know, I just don't, I don't see a lot of our, our main starters having to play against Brentford. Uh, you know, I would assume Mishu would come back in. I would assume Shaloba would come back in. Uh, Victor will probably still play on the right because we don't really have a direct replacement for him right now. Uh, you know, William might start over Pedro, you know, that whole kind of deal. But uh, I'm, I'm intrigued to see if Terry and uh, Branislav Ivanovic come back in um, and, and whether or not that whether or not they're successful uh, will kind of be huge there. Maybe a, a Zuma sighting as well. You know, shout out to Begovic minutes for Begovic. You know, he's our cup keeper. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Uh, it depends uh, if he gets sold. I guess that's the only other thing from like a true. transfer standpoint is Bournemouth made an offer. And depending on how large that is, I think that's where if anything happens from a transfer activity standpoint, um, you know, we could sell him and then be in the need for a, uh, a backup keeper because it seems like Eduardo is uh, really viewed more as like a coach and a third choice than, uh, than a second choice option. 
Yeah, Kunt even said that in that press conference. Literally, like, I have my three keepers, and I'm happy with where they stand at number one, number two, number three. Um, just so you guys do know out there, listeners, Kennedy and Musanda are not registered to Chelsea. Pending how this match goes this weekend, we might get some more information on Conte's intentions for them if he does sign them. If they don't, I think that that will really tell us exactly what to expect. Uh, but if you look at the fixtures, obviously Chelsea still cruising with that one loss to Tottenham. Brentford, on the other hand, are coming off back-to-back defeats in the championship. Now, fair play, they lost 2-1 to Newcastle, who are running away with it. Uh, but then they lost 2-1 to, to Wigan. So they've given up four goals in their last two games. Chelsea are scoring at least two goals in the last two FA Cup games. I mean, I'm just connecting dots here, guys. I think it's safe to say if William Hill gives you Chelsea score two goals, you take it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but other than that, you know, they've won an FA Cup match, and then they are only 1-1 draw two of their last. So, again, Brentford not on the greatest run. They're not even that high in the championship even with these changes, Nick, you feel pretty confident that uh, Chelsea will continue the FA Cup run. I do. I feel very confident. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't want to overlook them because I think they're a local rival and and they really get up because this is you know it's kind of like advancing from AAA to the big leagues in, in American <laughs> baseball terms. So you know, I think they're going to be excited to play Stanford Bridge. Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see our old friend Josh McEachern um, in, a, in a Brentford shirt and, and see how uh, the, the fans react to him. But, yeah, I, I expect Chelsea to score at least two goals, like Brandon said. Uh, please gamble responsibly, folks. Uh, and and uh, yeah, no, I, I don't think this will be, you know, a massive, massive challenge, but it'll be tougher than Peterborough was. Dan, same thoughts. Any any banana peel we might slip on? Uh, you know, I think the, the only challenge would just be rotational. If, if we, you know, anytime you make so many changes, you know, I think even the first few minutes of our our last match, you know, where we made nine, you know, substitutions or changes to the traditional starting 11, uh, you know, there's, there's a moment of, of knocking rust off and making sure those passes kind of connect and everyone feels comfortable with one another, especially if you're seeing players that, you know, have not been with the club as long or have been you know, coming off a, a long-term loan or injury. So I think that's the only thing. But I think ultimately the, uh, the march forward in the FA Cup will continue. Awesome. It has been too long since we've kind of been doing this march, but it feels good, obviously. Uh, it would be super exciting to get our hands back on the, uh, the FA Cup, you know, pull another domestic double, as they call it. But let's go ahead and wrap this episode up, guys. Thank you so much for that. Um, you know, just preview of Brentford. Uh, It's going to be a busy week next week. Thankfully, Liverpool have a busier week, but we'll talk about that on Sunday. So uh, any final thoughts before we go ahead and call it a day on this episode? Uh, Dan, anything that you would like to uh, wrap this up with? No, I think yeah, we, we really appreciate again the, the iTunes reviews that we've received. Uh, look for uh, a shout out from Brandon next week if you drop one. And let us know if you're not putting it in a iTunes store that's US, Canada, or UK. That's the ones we usually tend to check. Um, but you know, we, we know that there's a, a lot around the globe. So if you're from a, a, one of our other countries, uh, I know Sweden is a pretty popular one for us too. Uh, let, let us know so we can check those stores and, and call it your review. Awesome. They are coming in hot and heavy, uh, but we love it and we appreciate it so much. Nick, your final thought. Yeah, final thought would be just a shout out Chelsea in America uh, as an organization and then certainly the local kind of chapters around the country that get together and organize and, uh, you know, not only watch matches, but do community service works and things like that. You know, we are not, you know, directly affiliated with Chelsea in America, but um, certainly are all members of that organization. Uh, this, you know, podcast is kind of formed out of, you know, retweets that Brandon sent out um, to, to the both of us. And that's how we all got connected. So if you haven't joined CIA or if you don't know anything about it, uh, go to Chelsea in America dot com. Uh, they'll, they'll have all the information there, but it's a great organization and, and they do a lot of good. And they, they helped us out a lot when we did our live pod this summer. So, as, you know, random shout out, but I just wanted to, to give them some credit. Nothing wrong with that. It is true. They were a mo- an, an instrumental, you know, piece to this getting assembled. So thank you. Uh, my last shout out is just, again, a friendly reminder. Go check out our website, 
so many articles and a show notes, guys. I put quite a bit of time into our show notes. If we gave you a tweet shout out or we talked about an article or something or some graphics, it's all in there. Londonisbluepodcast.com. But that is a wrap. We have gotten to our time limit as usual. It wasn't much of a challenge, Chelsea fans. But you guys know what to do. Until next time, keep the blue flag flying high. All right, Chelsea fans, that is a wrap for this week. Don't panic, though, as we'll be back after Chelsea's next match. So to be sure you don't miss it, subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at LondonBluePod. Until next time, Chelsea fans, keep the blue flag flying high.